this is where we're going today because it's attached to last week's message, is that if we are to be abnormal, we have to be abnormal in our unity. Abnormal in our unity. This is key, and, and Paul is laying this out. So he says, you, gotta be, you are the temple of God. You need to understand that. And then he continues. So we, we were ended off last week looking at chapter 4, verse 1. So let's go to 4, verse 2. So we laid out unity together. Me and, our identity is in Christ. That's who we are. Now. See, there's that, that transitional phrase. Now. A person who was put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. Now, I'm going to help you out. Key here that Paul goes into is this word right here, judgment. He says, I, I, I want you to understand, I don't even understand my own judgment. He actually goes back further. He says, it matters very little how I might be evaluated. So that's just another word for being judged. You're being evaluated. You're being judged. I don't, I'm not worried about how I might be evaluated by you or any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. <laughs> it is the Lord himself who examine me and decide. This isn't my message, and I got to do real quick to give you a like, little soapbox moment. He, Paul says, I don't even trust that my good works... All the churches I've planted, all the good things I've done, my conscience is clear. All that being said, I don't even trust my own judgment on myself. Only the judgment of Jesus Christ matters. This is, you have to hear this. You, you, <laughs> being good does not make you a follower of Christ. Coming to church does not make you a follower of Jesus. Giving in the offering doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Your relationship with your heavenly father through Jesus Christ is the only way to have salvation in the story. Good preaching, Josh. Way to go. Keep it going, brother. Yeah. Amen. We have to understand that Paul, even Paul, who started these churches, did all the right things, says it's not about my works that makes me saved. I don't judge that. I'm only dependent upon Jesus Christ and his death. Keeps going on. He says, so don't make judgments. There's that word again about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give each one whatever praise is due. This is important. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. So what's the time? Before the Lord returns. There's the time. So our dear brothers and sisters... I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from scriptures, you won't be proud, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it is not a gift? <laughs> so... Here's where we, this is where we have a lot of fun understanding the, the, what the word of God says. So when, we, when Paul is saying all these things about judgment, we immediately have an idea of what judgment he's talking about, right? We think immediately, judgment of God, judgment. So we have these ideas of what judgment is. But Paul is talking to somebody, writing back to somebody he has a relationship with. He was there for a year and a half. They're writing to him. They're asking him for advice. So there's this relationship. 
How many of you have a, a friend or maybe your spouse? This is a, a great example where you say, you can just say one word. And as soon as you say that one word, they immediately know what you're talking about. Julian and I have that. Um, I'm not going to give you any examples because the next time you hear me say that word, you'll be like, ah, like, no, I'm keeping my code to myself. All right. <laughs> but, but like, you, you, you know, um, uh, like, we can say it's like a cruise for us that immediately goes to our honeymoon. We, we like that. We went on a cruise for a honeymoon. So I can say it's babe. Do you remember when I shot you in the back with a, uh, with a, um, a cork from a champagne bottle? It's a great story. I'll have to share it with you sometime. Literally, put her down. I thought we were being attacked in the, in the cruise ship. Every horror movie that I've ever gone through, she, uh, anyways, I gotta keep going. <laughs> so it was really funny. But immediately, I, I, don't, like, I, don't have to, I, I don't have to tell her that story because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. This, this, <laughs> this is true for Paul. When he's saying, hey, judgment, he immediately, he knows that the church he's writing to no, has a, a picture of what he's talking about. And what is that picture? Well, the good thing is, Acts gives us the context of what he's referencing. If you go back to Acts, and Acts chapter 18 is when Paul had launched the church in, the, in Corinth. He had been there for about a year and a half when the Jews have gotten up the courage to come after him. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 18, verse 12. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said, uh, um, said to the Jews, if it were for a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. So this is a cool story, right? But it's bigger than just a cool story. Because here, I'm going to give you, so when you study scripture, what's really important? Yes. Second most important thing? Come on, those of you watching online, write it down. Put it in the notes. Put it in the comments, the context. Context, context, context. Because context does more than just help us understand. It validates what we believe. And let me show you why it does that. So all this is important. So the first one I, thing I need to point out to you, there's this guy named Galileo. He was a proconsul of Achia, Achaia, whatever you want to pronounce that. So we have a name, and we have his position, and we have where it was at. This is where it gets fun. So you go to a map. This is a map of the area of Achia, which, look what, where we're at. There's Corinth right in the middle there. Now, this is cool. So, we know that Galileo was in this position. They say he was at this place at a certain time. Here's what's neat. If you go to a place just north of Corinth, but still in the area of the Achia, which is right about here, there's a place called Delphi. Now, Delphi... For us, is not really, I mean, yeah, cool, that's a nice place. Here's what's fun about it. There's a place, they've done some uh, archaeological digging there, and they found this place. It's a temple to Apollo. Cool, that's not surprising. There's one in Corinth. What's interesting is they found a placard that would have been attached most likely to the outside of this, this place. Now, really important, students, listen to me. You're going to have people tell you 
that the Bible doesn't match up with history. So therefore, it's false. Doesn't matter, just it's a good story, continue on. However, Bible and history are connected. They're interlinked. And this shows us, there's this, this little uh, uh, thing that they found outside of the Temple of Apollo has a name on it, right here. That name is Galileo. Galileo, however you pronounce his name, there it is, right there, and it says he was the proconsul of Achia. Achia. Right, we, so here's what's really neat. It also gives us a timestamp because he was only the governor, proconsul, for one year, between 51 and 52 AD. So this means that the only time that Paul could have been put in, uh, in trial in front of uh, uh, Galileo in Corinth was this timestamp. So now we have a timestamp that verifies that Paul was there at this specific time, and it says that he was in front, that they tried him in front of the tribunal. Acts, for some reason, trans, the, uh, the people who translated this decided that they wanted to use the word, uh, the trema, uh, that was uh, tribunal. It was the Greek word is bema. Paul, we've been talking about this for weeks, was tried in front of the bema. So he knows, so number one, the point that I want you to get from seeing all this is that one, history verifies the word of God. Amen? Amen? Cool stuff. Number two, Paul knows what it's like to be in judgment. And when he says judgment and says, I don't really care what any great uh, human authority says about me, the people in Corinth go, he was on trial in front of the Bema. We remember it because Sothenes got his butt kicked there. <laughs> the reason why, just a little side note, Sothenes got his butt kicked there was because he had taken up the time of the governor and everybody thought he was a waste of time. So they said, get your butt out of here. So <laughs> all this takes place to give us understanding. And here's what I want you to understand is that he says, Paul says to them, so all this is coming to us. I know what judgment is. So he says to them, going back to verse five, he says, so don't make any judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord comes. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. So, do not dishonor one leader to raise another leader up. Judgment is the worst thing for unity. Judgment is what causes us not to have unity. And he, here's, he, he says, do not make a judgment about anyone. However, if you keep going on in this, in this, uh, for, to the very next chapter... Uh, Paul lays into them and it says, hey guys, I want you to understand, you guys aren't living the way that you're called to live. And there's a person, there's a man in your church that is sleeping with his stepmom. And I'm calling you out and I'm placing my judgment on him. Paul, hold up. Wait a second, don't go there because you said judgment, do not judge anyone. He didn't change, it isn't contradiction. There's a difference here. He says there's, where's my pen at? Oh, there it is. Don't judge. But then he judges. What is the difference between these two points? He says, don't judge anyone. But then he judges actions. 
So before I go any further, I need to make sure that we're on the same page here. Paul makes very clear, judging people is wrong. Judging actions is what you're supposed to do. He says, you, you'll know a man by his fruit. So you're judging what he produces, but you're not supposed to judge the man. What's the difference? You're not qualified to send anybody to hell. You wanna know why you're not qualified? Because you didn't die for anyone. And most importantly, if you did die for someone, you definitely couldn't judge anybody because you'd be dead. But two, you wouldn't have resurrected. There's only one person who's qualified to judge, a human being to hell, Jesus Christ. But the problem is, is we do it constantly. I'll prove it to you. We do it by race. We do it by the political affiliation. We do it by the kind of work they do. They, they do. We do it by where they're from. Let me show you. Let's just, this is just for fun and fun only. They're from Dover. Well, he's a Quaker. <laughs> they're a 922er. <laughs> you laughed because you've done it. We judge people based upon where they're from, even in our own county. And what we do is we don't give them the opportunity to know who they are or what they're doing. Paul keeps going. In, in, uh, in fact, in that verse, same chapter where he's talking about, hey, you've got some issues, people are doing these things, and he's confronting them and judging them, he then goes on and says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? So they will be judged and they'll be held accountable. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. He gives a whole list of actions, right? And we can go, yep, there, those are, there's some actions, but he doesn't stop there. Then he says, some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. People will be judged. There will be a day of judgment when people will be judged. It's just not your job to do it. It's the, it's the responsibility of Jesus to do the judging. Aren't you thankful, though? I mean, can't you, can you imagine if, if, so, if you were judged by the person sitting beside you and they were the ones who determined whether you go to heaven or hell? And if you're sitting by your spouse, you know they're the one that holds you to the most. <laughs> yes, send them to hell. <laughs> we, we have to be thankful that we are not judging that. But judgment is what will destroy us. So unity is what he's calling for. Judgment is the enemy of unity. So let's go back to the beginning of, of what Paul is trying to get to. You go back to the very first chapter, verse 10. And this is what Paul is going for. He's calling for unity. And he says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be in one mind, united in thought and purpose. He calls them out and he says, guys, you need to understand, you need to be unified because you have to have, be one in mind, united in thought and united in purpose. He breaks out it in three ways. One, he says you need to be united, one, in your thought. This is how we think about people, how we identify people. And here's the one unifying thought that we need to have as followers of Christ, that we have one enemy. We have one enemy. 
The issue arises when we judge others, and the reason why we judge them is because we have put them in a category of against us. They're the enemy. Instead of saying, I have one enemy, Paul says it great when he writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, for, we struggle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our one enemy is Satan, the enemy of our soul. This will, this will, I promise you, if you will start viewing, when you're in an argument, the person that you disagree with, start, stop identifying them as the enemy and identify Satan as the enemy. You'll talk to them differently. You're, you're in an argument with your spouse, stop making them the enemy. Stop making your coworker your enemy. Stop making the person who is the opposite party of you your enemy. Stop making the person that's not of your race Stop judgment. Instead, say, I have one enemy, and that enemy is who we are, we are against. I'm preaching good, preaching real good. In fact, for 1 Corinthians, Paul continues this, and he says, guys, you have to understand this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he goes, you guys are going, taking lawsuits against each other to the court in, the, in Corinth. Stop doing that. Show the world that you're unified. Don't, can't you guys figure this out on your own? Stop Judging against each other. One heart, one, one mind, says, that, so some of you, um, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, that you be in harmony with each other. One mind and united in thought. That is, thought is our motivation. What, what moves us forward? How, how do we, what is, what propels our heart and our mind? He says it to them uh, in um, Peter writes this in 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind and sympathize with each other. So what is your motivation? To love each others as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing that is what God has called you to do and he will grant you his Blessing. He says, here, here's the, so he, right here, Peter lays out all three of them. He's got one mind, how, you th- how you're thinking of them. Your motivation is love. And then he lays out your actions. That's your purpose. You're to, your actions live out your, what you're doing, how you're treating them. So you, so you got one mind, one, one uh, united in uh, thought and motivation and united in purpose. This is what Paul writes to, to them. It says, we're all going in the same direction. Make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is a, a Paul, our, uh, the writer, Luke, the writer of Acts, gives us a picture of what it looks like when we have one mind, one heart, and one purpose. So all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, and they shared everything they had. There were no needy persons among them. There's one heart, one mind, and all their actions, they shared everything they had. <laughs> See, this is, this is what we're called to be, is, a, is the, to be a family. So let me br- break it down for you in practical terms. Paul, in 1 Corinthians, uses the term, dear brothers and sisters, 21 times. 21 times. He says, guys, I need you to be in unity, and then 21 times he says, be a family. You're the family of God. 
This is what his, his whole topic is. This isn't just, just Paul by himself in 1 Corinthians. It's all over. Uh, Ephesians 2.19, all these scriptures on the back of your, uh, in your notes there. Ephesians 2.19 says that you are members of God's, you are members of God's family. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor, which is key, one another above yourselves. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us we, and we ought to lay down for our brothers. You are members of God's very own family, and you belong to God's household with every other Christian. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, we, are, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is, this is what, a, what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a family. What, what is a, <laughs> you, you Parents, especially dads, you'll, you'll relate. When you're driving and you're trying to get somewhere, you're, you're on the, the, the long trip to vacation. I mean, been driving to Myrtle Beach. I, I, it is such a hassle that I no longer do it. I literally, I, I fly to Myrtle Beach. My wife drives. I, I boycott driving to Myrtle Beach with my family. I, there's more to the story than that, but it's, it's, it's a nice perk. Uh, <laughs> because no longer am I doing this. He, I don't hear this. He, he, he's on my side. He touched me. You know, that, that whole, what is that? That's division. And what do you want to do? Backseat judgment right here. Come on. If you don't make me pull this car over. I'm trying to get you to a destination you're going to enjoy. I'm trying to get you a place that you're going to love. If you would just be in one heart, one mind, and have one purpose, and shut. Jesus, help me. I, I, I can feel the emotion coming over me right now. I, I think Jesus looks down at us sometimes and goes, guys, can you just get along? Can you just, I'm trying to take you somewhere amazing. I'm trying to do something awesome in your lives. If you would just stop judging each other based upon factors that don't even really matter, please take some time to be in relationship with each other so that you can love each other as a family loves each other. Be one in unity in mind, in your thoughts, your motivation, your purpose. Be one. That's what he's calling us to do. And he says, uh, he says this is what I, I need you to do, dear brothers and sisters. Now, this is so, one of the, before I jump into this verse, this is where I need to go, is because one of the most beautiful things that will ever happen as a father is when your children share voluntarily. It's, it's like a joyous moment that, like, I don't know if just because it's rare, but it's like I hear angels singing. This happened just like a, a week ago. My daughter was at a, my, my oldest daughter was at a volleyball game, and the rest of the family is sitting around eating dinner. So she's there, uh, maybe it's volleyball practice or whatever it was. She was away from us, and with the rest of the family is eating. And my son, my oldest son, who is the one who's, does the most conflict with my daughter, uh, says, hey, I'm gonna put, make a plate for my sister so she's to make sure she has food. I heard the angel singing in that moment. Oh. I'm like, what? In that moment, I was like, what do you want? You can have anything you want. Jump, jump on Amazon, I'm buying you anything you want. Right now, it is yours. Why? Because my children were in unity. And this is what God's calling for us in the church, 
is that it's supposed to be abnormal unity. Abnormal unity. This is what, so what do we share? Paul, let me break it down, and I, I hate to end a message without making it very practical, so let me just take the last, next few minutes to bring down and break it down to the practicality of this, because Paul lays it out for us. As he lays the foundation for these first four points, he then goes in detail in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 of how we're to live this out. He says, when I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. I don't judge them. I don't tell them, you're going to hell because you're not living like the Jews. I don't judge them. They look different. They act different. They, their outward appearance is different, but I'm not judging them. Instead, I, 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 uh, I, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And when I'm with the weak, those who are struggling, those that are hurting, those that are down, those that are addicted, I share their Weakness. I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I, find to, I, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Paul calls us out and says, hey, you guys need to share in your weaknesses, and you need to share in your blessings. When, when those, they're going through a hard time, you come alongside them and pick them up and give them that, be, be a part of that, that difficulty that they're going through. Stop judging them because they have something in their past because you were once like that. Stop using things against them to put them in a category below you at the raising one up to lower another. Stop doing that. Instead, share your blessings. Share who you are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, continuing on, he says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. This is so powerful. He's trying to help us understand. Stop judging the exterior and start loving the person. Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, from one, from him, the whole body, joined, to, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We share in our weaknesses. We share in our blessings. And we share the work. This is, this is uh, where we, who we are as a church. And I, I'm hoping that we're actually trying to even change the language that we use. If you go through Growth Track, which uh, Growth Track happens every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And we walk through. It's, it's a very simple thing. It basically just shares who we are as a church and what it, what, how we do what we do. And then after we've shared who we are as a family, we ask you... Would you like to be a part of the family? You can join the family. You can uh, grow with the family. Or you, and you, then we want you to serve with the family. This is, this is the beautiful thing about the, uh, a family event. Thanksgiving. You, you have different people in the family, right? You have people in the family 
who show up to the event, and they don't do anything but sit at the table, eat the food, and watch the football. But to have a family, you also need the people who are gonna cook the food. You gotta have somebody that's got the house, gotta have somebody that's gonna pay the cable bill <laughs> so you can watch the football game. You, you, you have to have all those together, so there's some that's gonna to, to do that, and you're gonna, you're gonna grow with the family. You're gonna be connected to them. And then there's some that actually do all the extra work and stick around and scrape off the, the stuffing out of the pan, do the dishes, clean up, vacuum it. See, that, that's a family. So where, where you're at right now, as, a, as part of our family, some of you are, you need to join the family. And simply following Jesus Christ. You make a, a, a decision to say, Jesus Christ, you died on the cross for me. I, I wanna be part of this family. And Jesus comes in you. Some of you, you're saying, you know what, I wanna grow with the family. It's get in a connect group. Get, get connected to this. Be, be a part of the, get Friday night, Thursday night, whatever night the softball game is, go, go hang out with them. Be a part of it and, and grow with the family. Be consistent with being a part of the family. Some of you ready, some of you are doing this, we got an amazing team doing it, that serve the family. They, they serve, they, they get everything ready, they get the environment ready, they do all the work, they're back behind cameras, they're getting the computers to work, they make sure our kids have a place to, to learn and grow in their relationship with God. They, they, they're the connect group leaders. There's, some of you are ready to take that step. What I wanna do is give you the chance right now to welcome you to the family. For some of you, maybe it's, this is a moment for you to reconnect with the family. Some of you would saying, hey, I'm ready to take the step and serve with the family. Before you can do any of that, I love this. Paul, uh, uh, this is Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer. This is Jesus' prayer. So many times we come to Jesus and we want him to answer our prayer. And this, Jesus is praying a prayer that we have a chance to answer. He says, my prayer is, that, is not for them alone, not for just the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's me and you that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. And may they be brought to complete unity, complete unity. Why? to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We have, a, we have a responsibility here to be in unity so that the world can see the example of what it is to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ as we serve one another. So the prayer is that Christ would be in you. And that prayer is simply a prayer of repentance. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. If you're here this morning and you've never allowed Jesus Christ to come into your life, this is the opportunity for to you to repent and turn to him. It's a prayer of commitment. You can pray this prayer with me. You can pray this prayer using your own words. You can repeat my words exactly as I say them. It's up to you. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, your burial and your resurrection. And because you died and resurrected, I can receive the gift of salvation today. I make you the Lord of my life. I repent and I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.
I wanna pray a prayer over this church as a whole, that we will be a church of unity, that we will share our weaknesses, our blessings, and our work. Lord Jesus, I pray for this church. I thank you for a group of people that have made it a, a choice to step into a position of being a part of the family, the family of God. Lord, we thank you that we can be unified and strengthened. Lord, I pray that you will equip us to live out our lives in unity. Lord, let us share in our weaknesses, share in our blessings, and share in our work. In Jesus' name, amen.